talk about this picture, this image that we have for really the next 100 days. We're kind of, you know, three weeks ago, we kind of kicked off the new year. We said we're going to look at the first 120 days. Today's the 21st already. And so another 100 days that we have. And, and this image, I think, gets added because what it's all about, this, this next stretch, this next run, is really trying to focus and lock in some of the things that we believe are going to cause our faith to grow. Some of the things, the, the beliefs that we, we know that if we can kind of like focus in on those things, we're going to grow. And, and, and the compass is kind of helping us understand that we have a direction that we want to move in. And, and so it's really understanding that collectively and moving in that direction in a strong way. And, and like I said, focusing in on some things that we really think are important. Now, we're, this is, you know, when we talk about, you know, having some focus and having some things that we want to um, really choose to, like, ratchet up our belief in, we're in the midst of a culture that it's difficult to know what is true and what's right and what we should put our faith into, right? I mean, we've got fake news. We've got this whole idea of, man, you better cite your sources. And in that, environment where we don't really, I mean, you see stuff on social media, you're like, I don't know, is that real? You know, is that photoshopped? Is that like CGI? I don't know what to believe. There's clickbait. There's all this stuff that we get inundated with. And in the midst of that, second place stands as a community to say, hey, you know, you know what? There are some definite things that we believe in that are true and that we are running after. And, and right in the middle of that, we're, we're challenged, right? You feel that tension? And last week, like Josh said, we, we started to look at the authority of the Word of God. And we looked at Ezra, and he read that scripture. And we wanted to kind of, like, I was kind of asking myself, how does someone go from maybe kind of being informal about scripture to really believing that scripture is inspired by God and something that we should focus our life on? And, and as I thought about that, I said, well, what if we were to take a look at what historically the people of God, really their approach was towards the word of God? What, did they, what was their approach? And so Ezra, when he opened the book, the people stood. And when he read it, they began to worship and they began to, to, to yell, amen, amen. And then it says that they fell down on their faces and they worshiped God. Like this was a very reverent crowd. There was a reverence for the word of God. And, and then we looked at the King Josiah and how when the book of the law was read to him, he tore his robes and he was just undone and broken. And, and again, another reference for us to understand their approach and their respect for the word of God. And we asked, why was that? Why did they understand that? Why did they respond that way? Well, because the people of God back then, they understood and they believed dearly and they were convicted about the fact that the word of God had the authority to create life. And it also had the authority to give guidance to whole nations and whole people groups. And, and so we understood those couple of things. But I today wanted to talk about the authority of the Word of God again. And if you listen today, catch this, if you listen today, what I want us to do together is unpack the number one reason why Scripture should have the ultimate authority in our life. All right? And I know you may not have come in thinking we're going to talk about that. You maybe didn't know what we were talking about today. But that's okay, because I think if we journey through a couple of scriptures together, we're going to see the number one reason why this should be a thing in our life. So um, when it comes to the authority of the Word of God, I want to kind of have, um, uh, take a look at the generations. Sarah was mentioning the generations, and I've got some stats here that I think are going to be helpful. 
Um, the first one is really in America, when we look at people who say they believe that Scripture is the Word of God, this is a graph of the silent generation. This is anybody born between the years of 1928 and 1945. Do we have anybody from the silent generation? Can you silently raise your hand? Anybody? Anybody? All right. Well, we love you anyway, all right? And so this generation, 69% of them would say that they believe Scripture is the Word of God. All right, we'll go to the next generation. Next generation is the baby boomers from 1946 to 1964. Anybody from that generation? Come on, there you go. All right, Katie. Anybody else? Jim Wolf, don't even, don't even deny it, man. Let's go. All right, now give me, give me a band or music that was awesome during your time, Katie, like, like when you were growing up. Rolling Stones, okay, we'll go with Rolling Stones, love it. Well, your generation, 64% of people believe that Scripture is the Word of God on average, right? So this is just America and how they, how they did that research. Now, the next generation is my generation, the Generation X, 1965 to 1980. This is, again, 61%. Anybody in that generation, raise your hand. Come on, don't be shy. All right, give me some music. Give me a band. The Bee Gees? You went with the Bee Gees. Hall and Oates was said last time. What do you got, Donna? Oh, my goodness. All right, well, Bee Gees win. Like, Bee Gees win. So what you notice here is 61% of Gen X say that they believe that Scripture is the Lord God. So it started out 69%, went down to 64, now it's down to 61. Let's look at the next generation, which would be the older millennials. 1981 to 1989. Who's in the room that was born in one of those years? Nice. Give me some music. Postal Service Backstreet Boys. No, hey, you know what? There's no judgment here. No shame. No shame. All right, it's good. It's, we'll just say that uh, in first service, the Jonas Brothers were mentioned. Maybe it was the next generation. All right, younger millennials, get after it. Tell me, what do you guys think? You guys are born younger millennials. Next slide. 1990, 1996. Who's in that group right now? Raise your hand. All right, give me a band. Give me a music. Stop with the Jonas Brothers. They're not okay. Hanson. Mbop. Yeah. Okay. Bieber. Switchfoot. We've lost control. So what we see is that, is that we had in the silent generation 69%. Boomers 64. Gen X 61. Older millennials 50. And now it's just up a little bit in younger millennials to 52. So if you average the millennials, it's like in that 51% range. And when you think about this, like if you were to walk out of these, now you've come into here and you've kind of checked the box, like, okay, I'm going to church. Like I, I want to grow in my faith. I'm hoping you're saying that. And like, that's cool. And these, these stats probably don't hold up in this room because you're in this room. But man, once you walk out of here, if you're in this generation, one out of two people that you talk to randomly on the street are not going to believe that, that Scripture's the Word of God. And when you try to have a conversation about what is right, what is, what is okay, what is a direction that we should move as a people, as we define humanity and we define right and wrong and we define all those things, man, you're going to get some flack because people, one out of two, are not going to believe that Scripture has any say. It's not the Word of God. Um, in other generations, it might be, you know, four out of ten, five out of ten. And so I think this is important for us to understand. If Scripture, and then actually next slide kind of shows 
a little bit of it, well, shows the decline, that as the generations get younger, the belief in Scripture as a word of God goes down. Going from 69% all the way down to 52%. This is a big deal. And if Scripture is on the decline, then how and why, why would you ever say, and how, how are you saying it, even today if it's you, that Scripture is the authority in my life? Like, why would you say that? You would be um, becoming closer to a minority in your generation. And so I want us to, again, to understand that there is a really good reason to believe this. Um, a guy by the name of William Lyon Phelps. So Yale, everybody knows that Yale's like the place to be, right? And that's a super smart school. Well, this guy was a, is a former professor, and he said this, I believe that knowledge of the Bible without a college education is more valuable than a college education without the Bible. Now, I think he might be a former professor because he said that. I don't know, but, um, you know, that's a thing. Now, um, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures today, and uh, we're going to hang out in Luke. This passage will not be on the screen. If I could get some help with Bibles, we have a few in the back. If you have a Bible on your phone, I want you to turn to Luke 16, um, and I want you to dive in at verse 19. And for us, this passage, um, raise your hand if you want a Bible that are worn out. It's all good. This passage may be one of the passages that you would have not expected to hear on a day like today when we're talking about the authority of the Word of God. But I believe that there is some really good stuff within here to help us kind of ratchet, ratchet this one down. So before I read, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your word. Holy Spirit, you inspired it, and now, Lord, we ask for you to teach us through it. Help us to be a student right now, Lord God, as we read. Lord, we open ourselves up to your word in Jesus' name. Luke 16, verse 19, goes like this. And this is a parable that Jesus is telling to a group of people. He says this, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. And then the rich man answered said, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, the rich man said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. And Abraham says this. He says, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises.
from the dead. Now, there's a lot of ways to look at this passage. <clears throat> there's a lot of ways to unpack it. I mean, it is full of stuff. There's imagery. We can talk about the reality of hell and discuss that. We can talk about the, the real oomph of this passage is about riches and, and how to value what's most important in life. This, there's a lot of regret in here. There's family in here. We could take a lot of different angles on this passage. But today, I want us to focus in on the number one reason why Scripture should have authority in our life. And here it is. You guys ready? Because Jesus said so. That went over like a brick house. So let's understand a little bit about what Jesus said. Jesus, in his approach to Scripture, number one, he believed that Scripture is reliable. He believed that it could be trusted. And now, with the benefit of history behind us, we know that it is reliable. We know that the New Testament alone was written by eyewitnesses. It was written by apostles. It was written by people who were with apostles. Um, there's scholars, secular scholars, who would look at the book of Luke, which we just read out of, and the book of Acts, and they look at that as some of the most reliable sources for that time period. And so we know now, with the benefit, that Jesus was right. The scriptures are reliable. But also, and actually, many of you, those that don't, in your generation, that don't believe that scripture is the word of God, that would be a big reason why is because they're like, how, in the, how is it possible that any of this is really reliable? They would also say, how is it any, any of it accurate? But Jesus believed that Scripture was 100% accurate. And with the, the distance of, of time now, we know and we have in our possession manuscripts, early manuscripts of the Greek New Testament alone that number over 5,000 manuscripts. And a manuscript is a handwritten document, and it's actually something that we have that we can hold and it, those 5,000 manuscripts, they agree 99.5%. That's a big deal. And you would say, oh, well, you know what? 5,000 isn't that big of a number. But if you actually expand it out to other languages besides just Greek, there's over 120,000 manuscripts that agree to that level. That's a lot. When you look at um, the Iliad by Homer, you see just a couple, maybe 100 manuscripts. And so... We know that this is, I mean, you think about the, 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 those in your generation that say it's not accurate. How could anything be accurate that's 2,000 years old? And we now know, based on what we know about real facts, is that it is accurate. But the number one reason why Jesus said that they have authority, I think, is the thing that we want to focus on. He knew the scriptures thoroughly. He believed every word of them, the law, the history, the prophets, he believed the Old Testament was historical fact. He mentioned people like Abel and Noah and Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot and Isaac and Jacob and Jonah. And he mentioned manna and he talked about Daniel and Isaiah. But there's even a bigger reason for all of that in this passage that we read. The reason that we can see it is that, and this might be a discussion over lunch today, is that in this passage we read, we see that Jesus is implying that his scriptures, that the scriptures are actually more powerful to save than a miracle. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I love miracles. Like, anybody not want a miracle? Oh, you do, right? So, but how many times do we sit there and we say, you know what, God? I mean, I know what your word says, but I really need a sign to make sure that I know that I'm heading in the right direction, right? I need a sign, God. I need 
Like, someone needs to walk into, like, Jesus, if you could audibly speak right now, it would be great. If I could have an angel visit me, that would be awesome. If I could have some sort of, like, conditions all line up. And what we find is that Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? In this case, even if someone came back from the dead, they wouldn't believe. And how many of you know that that actually is what happens? Many people do believe, but many people don't. So this is a huge, huge thing. We, we often look for these signs. My question to you is this, to wrestle with. If you don't get any signs, and you don't get any miracle, you don't have anything outside of Scripture to confirm that you are moving the right direction, would it be enough? Would simply just saying, okay, Scripture says that I should be generous, so I'm going to be generous. Scripture says that I should be kind, so I'm going to be kind. Scripture says that I should um, have patience. I want to do that that we would actually enact that. But here, I think, is probably the bigger issue, is why we should believe what Jesus says. And this is what's going to be the difficult part, because outside of these four walls, if you're, you know, someone would say, hey, I'm one of those 50% that don't believe the word of God, well, it's like, dude, you should totally believe it, because why? Because Jesus said so. That's not going to fly out there, right? Why is that? The reason why, at second place, there is all kinds of um, authority that comes from Jesus is because he's the only person that's ever come back from the grave. I mean, if there is somebody that came, died legit and came back to life, I kind of want to know what he thinks is right. I kind of want to know what he said about the particulars of life and how we should live, right? And if we don't, understand or we don't believe the authority of the word of God and the fact that Jesus said it has authority doesn't play what we might have is a problem with the resurrection we might have a hiccup in our belief system because we don't haven't really really owned and developed a conviction around the idea that Jesus legit raised from the grave now, there's a lot of things that you can do. You can, you can investigate this. You can, this is not the topic for today. But if that's an issue, you can investigate it. There's a, a quick, easy way. Netflix, um, The Case for Christ movie is on there. It's a story of Lee Strobel and how he was an atheist and how he um, investigated the resurrection. I mean, all they had to do was provide a body and, you know, over, game over. But it wasn't. It was game on. I remember um, when Sarah and I were... Uh, leading a college group at another church years ago. And we had a group of guys coming, and um, a few of them showed up and brought some friends. And these guys, one of them in particular, there's three guys I remember, and one guy in particular, he was like, just like a proclaimed and like in-your-face atheist. And so as we were talking, like he wanted to go toe-to-toe. And so we were talking and having a conversation, and he was going on and on about how God didn't exist and, and we kind of talked for about 15 minutes, and then I really believe the Holy Spirit just kind of spoke to me and gave me a thought and gave me a question to ask him. And I said, dude, hold on a second. You know, I appreciate it. Let's just have a conversation about this question. Who do you think Jesus was? And he stopped, and he's like, um, and he just kind of searched for words. And it caused him to have to wrestle with this, because I think that is a really important question. Is who do you say Jesus is? If Jesus is who he said he 
is, then all kinds of dominoes begin to fall. And that day, we were able to have a conversation about who Jesus is and about who Jesus was when he was on earth. And that conversation changed like that because that question happened. And I believe that when we wrestle with this, maybe some of your friends, you're like, yeah, you know what, the Bible's irrelevant, it's not reliable, it's not accurate, all that stuff. And then you kind of come back and just say, hey, maybe it's a day, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month later, and say, let's have a conversation about Jesus. Let's have a conversation about this guy, historically undisputed, he lived. What was his story? What was he all about? So when we think about this, we go to John. I'm going to go to John 5, and this passage will be up. And, and Jesus begins to help us see what the point of his scriptures are. And, and we see in this, he says to his disciples, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice or seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these scriptures... Are these are the very scriptures that testify about me, and yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So he's speaking to people who were scholars of the word, and, and as he speaks, he's telling them, you study the scriptures, but all the scriptures talk about me, and they're designed that I would be able to give you life if you came to me. And so we can have, there's a trap there, there's a, there's a way for us to be like, have a mental assent to scripture being important, but not allowing it to drive us into relationship with Jesus because that's the whole point of Scripture. I mean, what if we were to allow our belief in the authority of Scripture to move away from just a definition to actually a deeply held conviction where we just said, God, this is, this is I believe, and I open myself up to it. What if we surrendered to the authority of Scripture and realize the power that it has. Well, there's a few things that would happen. Number one, we would experience the power of the Word of God in our lives. Um, I don't know where this quote came from, but a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to a person who isn't. I love that. That, that a person who is in the Word is experiencing the Word of God. Because why? Because it is alive. It is active. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is like no other text. And when we read it, if we open up ourselves to it and surrender to it, it becomes something that we can experience. Second, we have a better compass for our lives. It awakens our conscience. It allows us to see um, and has the power to reach into our deepest desires and our deepest wants and our convictions. It allows us to see that maybe we need to adjust some things to come in alignment with what Scripture says. Three, our character will be strengthened. Our character will be strengthened. Um, yeah, it's going to expose weaknesses. Not so great, but it helps us kind of knock off the rust in some areas and to get a little stronger in some areas for sure. But I believe it develops wisdom in us as the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God in a supernatural way to just download things into our hearts. Um, same era of time, but different group of guys. Um, during that time, we had a bunch of um, gang members coming to our group. Yep, with my Cliff Huxtable sweater on and me and the gang members. Yep, it's awesome. So we were, we were talking, and um, they wanted to go out uh, after the meeting, and so we did, and um, we were in a restaurant. Some of you know this story. It's a real quick one, but they, and I only tell it because of how awesome Scripture is. 
And, and so they're all, this is back in the day when you could smoke in restaurants and stuff, and so they're all smoking, and they're like, Joe, man, I, I got a question for you. I'm like, cool, what's that, man? What, what's going on? And I wasn't smoking. I mean, I was going to try to fit in, but I didn't, I wasn't smoking. So they're like, so uh, how did you get so wise? And I was like, you don't know me, man, like at all. Like, you need to hang out. I've made a lot of dumb mistakes. No. But as I thought about that, I really didn't know what to say. And as they're smoking, they've all got, like, their Bibles out, you know. And um, I just said, I said, because I read that a lot. And he's like, you read the Bible? That's how you got wise? Yeah, dude. I mean, the, the answer and the wisdom that you can mine in his word is unending. It's, 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 it's a bottomless pit of awesomeness. Like, and, and as we talked we were able to talk about the power of the Word of God to change people. Today, that guy that asked me that question is in ministry. One of the guys that was with him, he was, he was, he was a rough character. He's also in ministry too. And, and the thing is, is because not because of anything that I had, but because of what the source was. The source was the Word of God. And I think that's where it becomes really awesome, is when you realize that the, the authority of the Word of God gets transferred to you, when you read it and you pray it. The authority of the word of God is something that some of you need to walk in that you're not. You're struggling, you're having issues, you've got problems, and you're like, man, I'm gonna figure this thing out, and no matter how much you tinker with it, it doesn't matter, you can't figure it out. It's because submitting to the word of God and saying, God, I need to stand on some scriptures. I need to begin to pray them back to you because, Lord, I don't know if what I'm saying is true, but I know what you, what you said in your word is true. And it's not just a word for someday. It's a, it's, a, it's a word for me today. Come on now. So here's where you go. John 15, 7. It's not, I don't, actually, that is going to be on here. So if you remain in me and my, my words remain in you, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And some of you are like, well, time out. I don't know. I get it. We've prayed for things. We've prayed for things, and we're still waiting for that answer to see that thing come to be. But I want to tell you, according to God's will, when we pray according to God's will and according to his word, God will do it according to his way, and these things will be done for us. The authority of the word of God, you need to start mining God's word for in Proverbs, in Psalm, in the New Testament, in the epistles, and say, God, I need a word from you that I can pray. I may feel alone, but I'm going to pray and say, God, you said that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. So I know that I'm not walking alone right now. I'm walking with you and you're walking with me. I don't know. You need to mind that and begin to own it because the authority of the word of God can be in us. Now, how do we get the word of God in us? How do we um, allow scripture to lead us into a relationship with Jesus? Well, the, the list is easy. It's similar to last week, but it's it's, it's what it is, man. You got to read it. I like the word consume. So like you got to consume it. So listen to it. Write it down. Circle it, you know. Um, anything you can do to get it inside you. And why is that? Why is it important that we read it? I mean, not reading, if you say that, yeah, I believe that scripture has the authority, but you never read it or never consume it, better word. You know, it's like being a Bee Gees fan, but never listening to the Bee Gees, right? It's like being a Hanson fan, 
but never listening to Hanson, right? Never going to the concert, never getting the autograph, which I know you have, Pat, like, just be honest. But when you say that the, the scripture has the authority in my life, but you never consume it, it doesn't add up. And so that's the first piece. Why is that important? Because when we read the word of God, we're actually reading Jesus. Jesus is the word of God, and it drives us to him. John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. There's that life again. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14 of John 1 says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And so that is why we need to consume Scripture, is we begin to understand who Jesus is through it. We need to receive it. This is huge. This is posture. This is saying, okay, God, I want to be a student. This is all about highlighting, underlining, circling, and interacting with it and receiving it um, is a huge piece. Um, interacting with it, I believe, is probably one of the bigger pieces that is awesome in our growth groups. Um, growth groups allow us to talk about like this particular passage, this particular topic in a smaller group. This is literally the worst way sometimes I think that we can have a setup is that there's one guy talking to a bunch of people sitting here and you've got questions, you've got conversations you want to have and none of that is happening, but it's designed to happen in a growth group. And that's why I go, to, I go to a growth group, and that's why you should too, because we're able to dialogue. It's throughout Scripture that getting together in small groups is where we begin to grow. Um, how many of you have ever worked out and stopped? Yeah. So, like, yeah, come on, like, everybody in the room, right? So, so you're, like, you're on it, you're working out, you're getting stronger, maybe you shed a few pounds, and then you're, you're feeling good. And then it's like, it's like probably Thanksgiving or Christmas happens and then you just fall off the wagon and you stop working out. So, but miraculously, you keep getting stronger after you stop working out and you continue to lose weight. And you wish, right? No, when you stop working out, you stop getting stronger. You stop, you know, you know getting that ripped body, you know, whatever. You know, you, it's just kind of like you, you kind of stop. And so some of you are sitting out here and going, you know what, nah, I've tried growth groups, and I grew when I was in a growth group, but I'm really looking for something different now to grow. It's kind of like saying, yeah, I worked out, and I saw the benefits of that, and I got stronger, but I'm kind of looking for, is there another way for me to do that? Can I, can I get stronger and lose weight without working out? You know, can I starve myself, you know, maybe, I don't know doesn't add up, guys. So, so growth groups isn't like a one-time thing. It's a discipline. Getting together and, and I'll say it, forcing ourselves into community and, and dialoguing about God's word is actually a discipline to interact with, with God's word. And last is apply it, man. This is about putting faith into action. This is about really understanding and saying, okay, God, like I said earlier, if it says to be generous, let's do it. Let's, if it says to be kind, let's do it. Applying it is where you literally will see the word of God change you. And there's nothing more powerful than when you feel the power of God change you through his word. So the bank could come up. Um, if more and more of us actually activated this belief, if we deepened our belief in the authority of the word of God, what would happen will blow your mind. I really believe that as we journey through this year, that we're going to see things. I mean, I could tell you about stuff this past week that I'm just like, 
literally blown away at what God is doing. And, and I really believe that as we put an, an emphasis and an understanding and we just really lock in that belief that the authority of the Word of God, it is the decisive influence in my life for what I do and say, our lives will change and together we're going to see some big things that you, He will blow your mind when it comes to your life as we do this together. Um, as we go to worship, these songs are designed to give you words when you may not have words. These songs are designed to help us to sing and praise God together when if we all just kind of went off on our own, it would be a mess. And so today as we go to worship, I want you to really say, okay, God, where am I at with this belief? Maybe I've been a Christian for, you know, 100 years. But man, deepen my faith in your word. Maybe you're new to the faith. Just Maybe this is your first time. Whatever. And you're like, you know what? I want to move in that direction. So let's stand. Heavenly Father, you are worthy, Lord God. And Lord, as we worship today, I pray, God, that we would wrestle with the authority of the Word of God in our life. Lord, not because Joe says it's important, not because second place says it's important, not because of any person, but Lord, because of Jesus. The one who we look to, the one who we trust in, the one who rose from the grave. God, we worship you. And Lord, for some of us, we're done. We don't have anything left. We're struggling. We don't know where to go. And Lord, I pray that as we sing, Lord, that your word would come alive inside this room. Lord, as we find a place, if we need to, to scooch out of our chair and find a place to sing, to kneel, to, to, to get on our faces before you, to raise our hands, whatever it may be, there's freedom in the house for that because, Lord, we want to throw ourselves at the mercy of you, Lord God. We love you, Lord God. We love your word. Give us an intense desire to consume more of it, Lord God. And help us to be an example to this generation. In Jesus' name.